Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, JP, and I have officially caught 26 Pokemon, and I am at a level 7 Team Valor. I'm also here with Father Chuck. Father Chuck, how are wait, you, buddy? Wait, you're, do, wait, you're a level what? Level 7. Oh, level 7. Okay, and you caught how many? 26. And you've seen how many? Uh, 26. Nice. 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 Carry on. Just curious. All the <laughs> that right. was that was of course Matt Wells, uh, a man who needs an introduction apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Backseat Matt is pushy Matt tonight. <laughs> so, right. Father Chuck, uh, how many Pokemon's do you I, have? I have I have caught forty three. I have seen forty five. I am level twelve. Uh, uh, team Valor up in the house. Valor. And um, I just want to add that today. For several hours, I managed to capture two gyms. I wow. was I was the gym master, um, and I was very very excited about that. So I took I took one from Team Insight. So deal okay. with it. Oh, and <laughs> one from and one from uh, you guys, Matt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Matt Wells, uh, representative of Team Mystic, is also here. Um, Matt, how many Pokemon have you caught? Yes, Team Mystic reigns supreme, as usual. Mm. I am a level 15, um, and I have caught and seen 58 Pokemon. Dang, son! So uh, the Mystics got it figured out, and you Valleys are just running around beating things up. I, whatever macho people over here well the the place where i am currently uh is crawling with Radatas. and um i just caught two it's not like harmontown this place is crawling with nidoran <laughs> well and the great thing and the great thing we've got going here is you know the the sub store next door is a pokestop so i i stuck a lure on it so we're matt and i are playing while we're recording right now. Which is why Matt is pushy and interruptive, because um, I'm trying to catch things. <laughs> can, I, can I say that I, um, I mentioned Pokemon Go in my, in my sermon on Sunday? Did you now? I did. And um, there were a few people whose faces were like, oh, gosh, I thought I was going to escape this in church today. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, yeah, I talked because I talked about it as how it's kind of been a miracle the way that it's brought different groups of people together. Mm-hmm. Um, in spite of like you know we've been doing like there's all these demonstrations and protests and everything happening and it seems like the stupid video game has accomplished more than a lot of that stuff well it's uh, people are definitely becoming more sociable yeah. and they are friendlier at these things that, uh, at least I can imagine I, last night I had my first real experience I actually went out uh, with my cousin we trekked around the OU campus we ended up going to uh, the famous duck pond of campus, and there there had to have been a uh, hundred people there um, trying to catch a dragonair. That's awesome. And I caught one, and how I'm very m- happy. How many how many pokeballs was it? Uh, it was about uh, it was, it was uh, about uh, 30, 30 pokeballs, Chuck. And you said uh, it, and you said it busted out of ten. It busted about ten of them. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. If it yeah. ran away, you would have cried. I would have, oh my gosh, I would have fallen on my knees and screamed, Throwing and I don't even know what these the things pot. are. I just don't know what one was last night when I caught it, so I don't know. <laughs> well, you, you guys all know about the drama that I've got with, um, with my white whale, my scyther. <laughs> um, 
Which, how many scythers does Matt have? Matt has like, I don't know, like 16. Um, <laughs> I, I transfer them all as soon as I get them because I'm just tired of seeing him. Um, so but Chuck I only, has I yet to find one. one. No, and I, just because I think Cut. it's funny. As, for two days in a row, I would get on my, I, I get on the campus where, uh, of the church and school where I work and the, the, the silhouette of a scyther would show up. And so I would go hunting for it and then it would just disappear. Just like, just gone. Because I've got that bug that a lot of people have, you know, where it doesn't really properly track stuff, oh, okay. and um, you know, it just it just disappeared. Well, then I come home, um, and it's at my house. There's one at my house. I'm in, in my head. It's the same one. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I was gonna say it's stalking me and mocking me. But so I went walking around my neighborhood until I went into someone's backyard into like this really disgusting canal, and it okay. showed up. And as I went to engage it. The game crashed. <laughs> oh no! So as I as I came back in my house, sweaty and exhausted from all the from being out in the heat, because it was also <laughs> like two o'clock in the afternoon and one of the hottest days of the year. Um, I tell I, I mentioned to Kana. I said I, it's my white whale. And, <laughs> yes, and I no joking um, caught one tonight in the comfort of my own home in the air condition, walking up the stairs from my bedroom. And so then I got Chuck, in the car. You need to go hang out with Matt. That's his, his I, I, And then do. I got in the car and caught a second one on the way. So <laughs> maybe I do, maybe I do, but I kind of want to earn this one, you know? Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would Ahab go to his friend's house if he knew Moby Dick was just hanging out there? Probably not. Probably not. Yes, he no. would. Yes, he would. <laughs> Um. <laughs> uh, well, now that we've got the the the, the business out of the way, it's uh, never out of the way. Let's, <laughs> let's get to the fun part. We're not here to talk about Pokemon, although uh, we probably will be talking a lot about Pokemon uh, if this thing keeps on going. It's chugging right along. Today, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters, yeah. uh, the rebooted film that came out over this weekend. Directed by Paul Feig, starring Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy, Leslie Jones, and the incomparable Kate McKinnon. Somebody else is pulling out a book of notes. Oh okay, wow, we have title. notes. You know what? I was gonna, I, I, I was going to write notes for this, uh, but then I watched all of Stranger Things today, <laughs> so I, I got a little sidetracked. Well, uh, well, Matt can tell you. Um, so last night I saw the movie with um, my mom. And yeah. like within five minutes before it starts, Matt shows up, <laughs> um, which is it's just hilarious. Every time I go to that movie theater, it seems I bump into you. And Matt can tell you, is I was after the movie, I'm walking out of the bathroom and I've got my phone out and he's like, Pokemon. I'm like, no, actually, I'm, I'm writing notes. Oh, because <laughs> um, okay. there was a bunch of stuff I wanted to get down as it was fresh in my head. Like I was tempted to pull out the phone couple times during the movie and try which, to quietly write notes, which I was not. Which do. everybody knows is so outside of Father Chuck's character to be on a phone <laughs> in the movie that he really had a lot to say about this movie i guess so i, I i'm excited to hear this i thought i had a lot to say um, uh, i got a lot to say okay so let's let's talk about ghostbusters 2016 it is officially a reboot correct correct uh the movie the movie is basically about uh Two friends who are scientists. Uh, they both have studied the paranormal together. Uh, one of them publishes a book they were working on years from years prior that brings them back together. And uh, the book focuses on sort of like quantum physics as it relates to the paranormal and how to trap the paranormal. 
this is not that different from the plot of the actual Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> Except I like, that I like that you said the actual Ghostbusters movie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a fanboy. I mean, you know, it'll always be the actual one. The original is all, you know, it's the original. Um, so, but they find out there is somebody uh, unleashing ghosts onto New York City. And so the Ghostbusters have to stop them. Uh, just a fair warning, we're going to go all out on this one. Uh, spoilers ahead. So if you haven't seen it. Um, go see it and sorry. then listen again. Yeah. <laughs> Unless spoilers don't uh, bother you, in which case you we should be friends. Or, or listen to this episode and save your money. One thing I will say before you turn it off and, and run from spoilers. One thing I'll say, I don't think spoilers are concerned with this movie. Mm. Um, so we'll I, get, we'll I get into right. it. But I don't think you can spoil this movie. No. Um, because that would imply that you're giving away something about a plot that is good and you don't want people to know about going into. Um, the, the, can, can, I'm just going to go ahead and start with... Okay, go ahead, Matt. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and start with the plot sucked. So I don't really think you could spoil the plot. I don't think it was uh, in and of itself like a bad thing. I, well, the way I said it is it's like they wrote this movie... And they were like, all right, we're going to do Ghostbusters. And then, in my opinion, had the brilliant idea of an all-female cast, which I stand by. I still think that is brilliant. Um, All-female cast, which I said back in episode three when we were talking to the haters, I said that was one of the most exciting things I heard because it guaranteed this could not be a direct direct ripoff of the first, like an attempt to remake the first one and be like, we're trying to recapture it. By making it all female, it immediately became new. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. Um, still stand by, love that. But it's like they had that idea. Then they started writing characters and casting, which, again, incredible, in my opinion. Characters, mm-hmm. amazing. Casting, perfection. Um, and then they're like, oh, yeah, we need a plot. Um, and they <laughs> go, oh, hey, this will happen. And that was the extent of the plot. There's nothing really thought out in this movie. No... No real storyline to it. It's just kind of like, uh, hey, this guy was bullied, and now he's going to punish everybody by bringing ghosts, and we'll stop him in the end. That that sums up the plot. So if that's a spoiler for you, there's a guy, he was bullied, so he decides he's going to unleash ghosts, and they stop him. Movie spoiled. I apologize. <laughs> um, but that's my point. I don't think you could spoil the movie, because that's not why I would actually say go see this movie, because I think you should see it. I think it was great, but not because of the movie. Matt, why should people see this uh, rebooted abomination? <laughs> Besides... Uh, this, this, this childhood killer, if you will. Yes. <laughs> Besides the fact of the amazing, glorious awesomeness and splendor that is Holtzman. Um, (laughs) Besides that obvious reason, um, all of the characters I actually liked. I liked the characters. I loved the humor. I Mm. thought that the movie was legitimately funny, even parts that I should not have found funny. I should have been like, that's really dumb. Instead, I died laughing. Um, So it was a... I I hate to, to, to mimic a lot of things I've read, but it's 100% true. It was a really, really, really fun movie. It was fun to see. It was funny. And I left going, I want to see it again, not because it was a good movie, but because I had so much fun seeing it. I just wanted to escape and see it again. Um, 
Hmm. So I thought it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the movie. Um, and I mean, I, and I'm in the camp that the first Ghostbusters was a miracle. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody can take credit for that movie because it is a perfection that should not exist and nothing about anybody involved is enough to make it what it was. Uh, well, I'll come back to that. Uh, but that is an interesting point to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you say that it's a miracle, uh, I think even back then they, they didn't really not know what they were making. No. And it's kind of all over everybody's faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and I mean, it, I mean, even the simple, the literal, like, things that had to fall into place with recastings and people who were supposed to play roles and then couldn't and other people. Even that stuff that took place to create this jigsaw puzzle that came together and created the first Ghostbusters movie that, in my opinion, is, like, a perfect stinking movie. (laughs) If you're going for, like, if you're going for comedy or even ghost movie it's one of the best like haunting movies out there forget forget like these scary new no ghostbusters is better i argue um and hilarious at the same time it didn't need to put in comic relief characters because it had such geniusly comic comedic timing yeah within the movie um but i don't think anybody like knew what they were doing so i don't think anybody can really have credit for it i think it was like what happened and it became perfection um, so to expect anybody to do that again, it's just like, it's not possible. What, what are they going to do? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Before we move on, I just want to point out to people, uh, we're doing this live over Skype. So we see each other on video, uh, both Chuck and Matt are looking off screen at their phones <laughs> as, as, as I, they're having this conversation yes. and I know what they're doing. I would like to say <laughs> that I am impressed by my ability to, both catch Pokemon, collect the Pokestop, and put together a um, <laughs> thought-out statement all at once. Pokemon yeah, yeah. Go has just given me hope that I can um, multitask. Oh, and Vin Diesel is live on Facebook right now. In case oh, anybody... I always miss him. I always miss him. <laughs> Should we just pause and play Vin Diesel? <laughs> um, I bet he's playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> Father Chuck, I hear you have some notes. I have pages. I actually spent like probably close to an hour and a half last night after I got home from the movie writing just (laughs) thoughts and notes down. Well, so I'm interested then. An hour and a half. You wrote for like Uh, the entire length of this movie. So I want to ask you, Chuck, um, does the original Ghostbusters uh, mean a lot to you? It really does. Um, Yeah. The original, and, because and, I feel like we need to contextualize this with your relationship with Ghostbusters first. If we're going to get, we're, I feel like we're going to get something passionate here. Well, I mean, I, the thing about Ghostbusters is one of the first movies I remember seeing. Okay, um, it's like it and ET. Um, it was probably the first movie I was ever like. I mean, I remember being terrified, terrified by the opening sequence of that movie as a kid and hiding behind the couch after it happened, and then being brave enough to venture out from behind the couch and finish it. Added to that then is that, you know, I just, I loved it. I've seen it multiple times. I obsessed with the Ghostbusters. I love the cartoon, of course. I had a jump, a Ghostbusters jumpsuit. Apparently I'm the only person who never had one. Uh, makes yeah. me very sad. My parents actually still have mine. I my mom has mine. I yeah. gotta get that because I bet it fits my son right now. I just well, thought of that. Idea. Actually, I think I have mine at my house right now. I gotta go get that. Oh um, my gosh. Ah. On the back it says, back off, man. I'm a Ghostbuster. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I love I love the movie. Um, I'll, and I'll just go ahead and say so. So I love it a lot. This was not a, I was uh, touching it, remaking it, even making a sequel, like a third sequel to the Ghostbusters franchise. I thought was a bad idea. And um, so I, I came to this with just sort of eh feelings about it. I don't get exposed to much advertising as I've mentioned here before uh, because you know Ken and I are you know hipster 
hipster white people who cut the cord on cable, so we don't see commercials. So I have, I think I saw three promos tops. That's of probably this, for the best of this. So I, I really came into this movie completely, I mean, completely open. You know, like completely just okay, just just blank. So I really love I love Ghostbusters, and I and I made a point to when I came into this movie to come into it completely fresh and not. No preconceived notions. I didn't see, you know, only the few jokes that were in like the two promos that were early on that I that I see. Um, so not a whole lot of the movie was spoiled for me or anything like that. And I, I, I think I enjoyed my time in the theater. But the more I think about the movie, the the less I like it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say something that's going to upset you, JP. But I think Ghostbusters Two is a better movie. <laughs> Um, I'm going to come back to that on top of what Matt said earlier. JP just shut down the um, podcast. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come back to that, Chuck, uh, because I have thoughts about Ghostbusters 2 as well. Yeah, I, I, I know you um, hate that movie. and you think it's Oh, no, like- no, no. no. Uh, new thoughts. Oh, new Ooh. thoughts. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to put a pin in that for, okay. my, for my take. But continue, Chuck. Um, I, I like the cast. Um, I think that's something that we're all going to agree on. The cast was good. I, do, I did not I – I, I am not feeling the Kate McKinnon hype. On her character, I did not think that she was that great of a. I didn't think she was that funny. I didn't think she was that much of a breakout character. I felt felt she was over the top. I felt the camera lingering on her too much at times. Um, but I think that's due to the fact the movie has atrocious editing. I mean, what? it is a badly edited movie. Her. I think. I think if there's any, I think the character that I enjoyed the most in the movie was um, was um, Patty Leslie Jones's character. She was wonderful. Yes. Um, right. But I think that. The what? Kate McKinnon condiment. I, I shut down Pokemon Go. So you're <laughs> bringing it on. Here we go. Um, Put the gloves. I as, as I start scratching the surface of the movie, I like it less and less. Um, I, I, I like I enjoyed the cast. I would I would be open for a sequel, hopefully written by someone else, maybe even directed by someone else. I actually agree with both points. Yes. Yeah. I can get into the problems because I think there's a really good movie in there. I think that good movie is on a cutting room floor somewhere. And I'm really interested to see the Blu-ray, the 15-minute extended Blu-ray, to see if there's a, it, what, what they took out. Because I think there's some arcs in there. that are Because I think no one has a character arc. There is no development in it. Um, the movie has no thesis. What do you mean by that? Like it doesn't, it doesn't set out – it doesn't like tell us what it's about. Like there's no – like for example – okay, like – I know it's like probably not a good comparison, but if you're going to call yourself Ghostbusters, you're going to be compared to the 84 Ghostbusters film. The 84 Ghostbusters film sets up from the get-go that these are people that no one believes and that they are trying to find legitimacy for what they do. This movie doesn't do that. Um, You've got, you've got um, Melissa McCarthy's character, um, Abby and Kate McKinnon's character, what Holtzman, right? Holtz. I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. Holtzman. Holtzman. Um, they're like in a basement somewhere, just kind of doing their own thing. Like they're not actually trying to get into the academy and gain respectability. Um, the only one who's trying to gain respectability is Charlotte. Is that Kristen Wiig's character? Aaron. Aaron. Sorry. Aaron. Ooh, yeah, Aaron. Um, she's the only one trying to get respectability, and she does that by abandoning all of the paranormal stuff and trying to hide that part of her. And I think that's an interesting movie. Oh yeah, like, and that's that to me is where there's a there's a there's a potential there, but they do nothing with this. Yeah, that's I, called dramatic conflict. Yeah, I like to me like like so like the original Ghostbusters movie is about these guys who nobody believes. I mean, they make it a point like when they start the business, their slogan is "We are ready to believe you." Like, you know, they, they they set this whole idea up that people don't believe them, and the plot line of the original Ghostbusters winds up being that they are only legitimated once 
they once there's like a job that only they can do, and and that movie becomes a movie great, a great commentary on blue collar work and all this other stuff we could talk about. There's but some Reagan era capitalism stuff in there as well. Yeah, there's some of that too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's a, definitely some like kind of troubling anti EPA messages in that movie. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a little I'm still a little uncomfortable about that. Yeah. But <laughs> um, so the original slogan wasn't "If you see something, say something." <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> no. a funny joke. It was a funny that joke funny in the joke. movie. Um, but I think. <laughs> But I think the movie never really, like, lays out what it's about um, in the sense that, like, there is no – like, this, I think the, I think the, the movie is about friendship. I think that's the ultimate through line if we're going to say it's about anything. They don't, they don't really do much with that. They just sort of – it's just there. Uh, I think the real heart of the movie is the friendship with Abby and Aaron. But they don't right. really do anything with that friendship. I, I feel like there is a tension there that they never really work with. And that's why I'm saying, I think there's a chunk of the movie. And other people who've commented on reviews that I've read have said, it feels like there's a chunk of the movie missing mm-hmm. that really deals with their relationship in particular. Like, well, well I just, one of the things that bothers me about the movie is there's no consequences to anything they do like ever in the movie. Like there's no stakes mm-hmm. and the movie is like, there's no consequences to their actions. Like for example, Bill Murray has a cameo and he dies <laughs> and they just drop that. Like yeah, that is just done. Guy. And they introduce this really stupid, completely needless Homeland Security subplot. Yeah. Um, how, about, how about no remorse from the character of Aaron for the fact that she 100% killed him? Right. <laughs> right. She killed him 100%. Well, and then not him. only that. She is responsible for that. Not death. only that, the villain, who, by the way, I want to talk about the villain a lot. I really don't because, want to talk about the villain. Well, because the villain is very interesting point. for an MRA kind of thing standpoint i think there's some really stuff going on there with him what's interesting though to me is that they find that he's using the book they wrote to build this weapon of mass destruction right and there's nothing with that like they find the book so they are somewhat culpable in this guy's activities and they even make a comment like oh i wonder how we should feel about that they're like i'm just kind of flattered he bought our book done they never pick that up again like, I would think there'd be some sort of emotional fallout from that, especially considering that Aaron's character is already kind of faltered in her belief in this stuff and wanting to be legitimate, wanting all of that, trying to get a job at Columbia, trying to hide this stuff. Like, I feel like there would be some tension there that this would sort of validate why she doesn't do those things anymore. And I feel like, I feel like there's, a, there's, there's, there's a hint that that happens, mm-hmm. and then they ne- but there's, you don't see it. I was actually expecting um, when they kind of discover his little hideout with all his technology, like, I was going to... I was expecting in my mind that the direction they were going to go was like they're going to recognize it's kind of like right off the bat, like this guy knows what he's doing. He's kind of did the same thing we are. And I thought there was going to be like a touching moment where either Abby or Aaron were going to be like, this is really good. Like you did a really good job. Why don't, why aren't you like trying to do good things like, like us? Like why don't you help us or something? Yeah. Um, but they tell you for, for, for one that, but I, I, I feel like they did a, they didn't do that you know, on purpose because I think this guy was really supposed to represent some of the really horrible (laughs) harassment that the cast and crew received. Oh, totally. I mean, as soon as he showed up for the first time on screen, I was like, and I had no idea that he was the villain. I had no idea. He just talks to Leslie Jones character, Patty. And I'm like, Oh, they've got an MRA in here. That's a (laughs) m'lady. Like he's just, he's just missing a fedora. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when they start showing him more and more, I'm like, Oh, that's totally this character. And even the moment where, he makes this comment to them when they find him in the basement and they have that conf- confrontation with him. He says, um, I've discovered, like, real knowledge. I've seen things nobody else sees. And I'm like, that's the red pill. Like, that's the whole, like, <laughs> men's rights thing. Like, that's right there. 
totally is. Yeah, and that, that, um, that's no accident. They had, and I feel that it feels like something that was added as as they were kind of going along. Yeah, I mean, and the, and the fact that there's like a, a line that I caught to at the at the end, right before they um, before they reverse polarity or they do to like pull him back into the uh, the the nether world. They talk yeah. about using beta radiation and like mm-hmm. the whole beta male thing and all of that. Like <laughs> I just I caught all of that. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, like I said, there's there's stuff there that I find very interesting. For example, um, the ghosts in the city at the end which are sort of swirling around a very narrow, tall skyscraper, which is sort of a phallic-looking thing, yeah. all of those ghosts look like sperm <laughs> swimming around. <laughs> um, like, and I don't think that was an accident. Um, okay. Um, no, because I have to admit, 100% the first time it came out, I was like, interesting, because that's what it looked like. <laughs> and can, we also, can I also point out that this MRA villain character is not happy when he is entered into a woman. But he feels very satisfied when he enters into a man, particularly Chris Hemsworth. He says, thank you for the upgrade. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, there's... there's but it is Chris little, Hemsworth. A little bit of a who, homoerotic undertone there. Who I had to calm you down um, <laughs> with your mother between us. <laughs> like, Chuck, Chuck, chill, man. He's just a dude. It's just he's a good-looking dude. And you just kept, Your mom is like, he's just a man. <laughs> like, calm down, Chuck. <laughs> um, what, what, what did you think about Chris Hemsworth, guys? Uh, did you think it was pretty funny? Uh, too much. I, I will too say much. he was funny. It was too much. I will say his character is the epitome of what I meant when I was laughing at jokes that I shouldn't have been. Like I should have been like those are just dumb, obvious, stupid humor jokes. But I died laughing at them. Um, mm-hmm. Like JP totally missed the fact that every time there's a loud noise, he covers his eyes. <laughs> That's kind of funny because he thinks he can't. He can block out the sound by covering his eyes. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, and he goes to reach for a broken phone inside an aquarium. Um, I laughed at the line, um, you know, that aquariums are submarines for fish. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, no, I, I thought he was, I thought he was hilarious, but, um, but not because he was well written. I think that the jokes were stupid, cheesy, obvious, and I think it just worked in this movie because um, to watch him deliver them is hilarious, and then to watch the char- other characters react to him mainly. Oh, Kristen Wiig, maybe? Mainly Kristen Wiig's character, yeah, who's full-on obsessed with him throughout <laughs> the entire movie. Um, watching her, <laughs> the coffee scene, come on, I died laughing. That was, kind of <laughs> that the was funny. The coffee I forgot scene, about that, yeah. Um, where he, he, he tastes coffee, spits it back into the cup, and like, oh, it sets it down, and coffee. she's like, I don't want to waste that. And takes the cup to like, <laughs> drink it, which uh, totally appalls the- Melissa McCarthy's character. It's great. I just love it. There, there was... Uh, there was a joker there that reminded me of you, Chuck. That made me think of you. It's when they told uh, the mayor, uh, played by Andy Garcia, that he's acting like the mayor from Jaws. Oh, that was a great line. That's and he's like, you do not compare me to the Jaws mayor. Like, he gets, like, super angry. <laughs> I, I had my Jaws shoes on while I was watching that. I felt proud. There you go. I'm not going to lie. There you I felt, go. I felt proud when that line came out. And I was like, I, look at my feet. <laughs> I laughed pretty hard at that line. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I thought of you in that line, Uttered. Like, I almost wanted to, like, message you. Um, yeah. Do not compare to the Jaws mayor. <laughs> like, it's like the one moment where he is, like, dead serious. Like, he's really angry about that comparison. So, Chuck, basically, you think that maybe there's a whole lot of setup and maybe a lot of the payoff was probably on the cutting room floor. I think so. Think that's what happened? Yeah. I mean, it, it, to me, it suffers from the same kind of thing that we find, I, I, we, that all of us have talked about in a lot of the summer blockbuster movies, which is where, like, 
the third act is really where it just where movies just fall apart. Right. And um, yeah. And I and I think I think and I, I think I think for me I think the biggest problem and this is something you've got me to pay attention to more, JP, is like we'll talk about like you know this movie was bad because the direction was bad or this was bad or the script was bad, et cetera, et cetera. When really the bigger problem is editing. Nobody really. Pay to, pays attention to editing and how that can be. And I, I, that was the thing in this movie I noticed. I, I don't think the editing was as bad as, say, like Batman v Superman, which <laughs> yeah. was really bad. Uh, but yeah. this, I mean, but there was some bad editing. And, you know, that, that, that could be where some of the story problems that you're having with it lie. It, probably not so much with the script, but more with the editing and the storytelling and how it sort of panned out. Because Paul Feig... Said in an interview, one of the interviews I read a few weeks ago, this he's like, we actually ended up with a three and a half hour long movie when I was editing it. Yeah, the word, the, the assembly cut was like four and a half hours. Yeah, <laughs> like I can't imagine this movie at four and a half hours. Like, oh gosh, but but you know, it, it's all in how you uh, chip away. It's like it's like sculpting. Yeah, you know. It's an art based on how much you take away, not how much you add. Right. I, you know, I totally understand that. I mean, as a writer, I get the, you know, the, the beauty of editing and why you do those things. But I feel like right. they edited stuff out without thinking about how it might affect things later. Like the big emotional beat, there's, a, there's this emotional beat in the climax of the movie where, um, where Aaron jumps into the vortex after, um, after Abby. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the setup there is meant to hit this really, really hard emotional beat that, I mean, it calls back the very beginning of the movie. So I kind of, I kind of felt it, but Mm -hmm. I feel like there was something in like a sort of a second act element that we were missing to really drive that home. That like somehow she abandoned her like more recently. Yeah. Like some big abandonment, not just a, Oh, we wrote a book and and you didn't want us. Right. And like the, and she does, she does depart from the group, but it wasn't, you never see why though. She just stops. Like she's just, you know, elsewhere um the like i really racked my brain trying to think about like did they show like what happened there and they just don't um but the um by the way she and and, like the scene where she's kind of separate from them she's sitting on her bed reading the copy of the book from the villain character which i'm like the police just let her take evidence from an active crime scene oh come on they also leave the active crime scene 100 percent active they make no attempt i mean if you want to play the un this is unrealistic thing they also have a device in the basement that according to them could cause armageddon and they simply leave it there untouched right until he can go back and just turn the switch back on right um it's like we don't even try to unplug it <laughs> or well and they can and they can clearly see and they clearly know that ghosts exist and this guy died hey maybe he could come back um yeah, Ugh. but no, the um, <laughs> but that but that beat there at the climax, it made me think of the the comparison I thought of last night. I was just kind of thinking about all this. It made me think of um, the scene where Biggs dies in Star Wars: A New Hope. Okay, that, that like it's a moment where like when Biggs dies, the music swells, and clearly Luke is affected by that. Right, zero context. Though. Zero context because the big scenes had been cut out of the movie earlier, and I didn't even think about it until I remember years, 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 years ago. I've already seen Star Wars several times. I was um, helping out a vacation Bible school thing at church, and we were at a in like one of the nurseries, and I saw this like Star Wars kids book on a shelf. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd stolen this thing, because it had photos from the big scenes in it, and mm-hmm. it talked about their and it had their dialogue that was cut from the movie, and um, you know talking about like going to the Imperial Academy and all this stuff. And so it set up their friendship. I'm like, oh, that's why that scene is there because there there was a scene where Biggs is actually interacting with Luke, and that's. You know, there's there's an emotional element there, and it just so it was like a thing that was cut, but then later in the movie they didn't really cut it to 
you know, they left in something that sort of spoke to something they cut out. So it lets you know that the, and that, that's the kind of stuff that I saw happen a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, or in, at least I shouldn't say a lot, but in a couple of, excuse me, in a couple of places um, that I just, yeah, I just thought, I just, some of the emotional stuff that there's just, like I said, there's no, I just don't feel like there's any stakes in the movie. And the other thing to me, like when I talk about stakes is the, the part that really got me was the scene where they captured the demon thing in the, in the just awful Ozfest scene because awful because that band I just can't imagine would ever be like it's like an emo band they're like an emo band dressed up like speed metal which made no sense but they're (laughs) using proton packs in the middle of a crowded theater with like no regard for people around them in safety and like I thought like there's like a major point like it is a major plot point in the original Ghostbusters movie that these things are nuclear powered and can kill everyone at no point in the movie do they treat these things as though they can hurt people and, and and that just that was a, that was an element that really bugged me because even then it's like there's no consequences like they can just at no point do you think like you know they could get hurt they could fail at this. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, and I, I actually it, it it was something that did stick out to me. So okay. JP's thoughts. So JP's thoughts. Well, I like I think I kind of agree with you both, which is strange. Uh, that's not to say I'm taking some libertarian middle ground. I liked it. I had a fun time. It was a good day at the movies for me. When it started, uh, the the opening scene with um, oh shoot, I forgot the actor's name. He's he he's a regular in um, Silicon Valley. And he also was on The Office for a short for a short time. The guy who was like the docent at the man at the mansion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, I, that that was probably the funniest part of the movie to me. It, it was very funny, and the part where he, where he hung off the ledge and he screamed, and the Ghostbusters theme just started playing. I like, I, I tensed up. I was like, "We're back." The real theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real. Oh gosh, don't get me started on that new theme. God, that new theme was so bad. Oh. But, but, the, but you know what? I give it a pass because all music today sucks anyway. So but I, but I, I'm gonna uh, derail you with this comment. Then I'm letting you go, and I'm not gonna interrupt again. I love that they knew. The our new one sucks. So your very first introduction in the movie is the original theme. They, they seem even, very they seem very embarrassed by that. Yeah, new theme. they even knew like we got nothing. Interference. Like we're not do, we're not we got nothing. To, we just put the real one in. Like that's what people want, and they knew better than to open with anything else. So you open with the original and theme. Let's be honest. The original theme is also kind of terrible too. Oh, it is terrible, but it's gloriously terrible. I love it. It's terrible, JP. What are you shaking your head at? It's that not theme terrible. is awful. It's, great. it's awful. What's wrong with you people? It's bad. What is, it what is, is so bad. Am I taking crazy pills? <laughs> it's so bad. I love it. I love it, JP. I must be eating hay but it's because so I'm surrounded by naysayers. <laughs> anyway, oh, that was about so as good I, so, as the song. <laughs> So when that when that theme swelled and he started screaming, I was like, oh, it's back. We're back. We're back. And it took me back to my childhood. So I love that. And, and I'm going to do some, some context here for my, my overall thoughts. You know, when the first Ghostbusters was made, they really had no idea what they were doing. When I say that, they had no idea what they were making. This, that movie was made uh, from a script by two guys one who was an, an excellent writer, the other who had like crazy beliefs, who were who locked themselves in a bunker for a month to work on this script. So if you can imagine Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd locked in a bunker for a month working on a script called Ghostbusters, what's what's going to come out of there? 
Just like craziness, insanity. So they come out, they give it to Ivan Reitman, who's m- most, mostly known for uh, his directing chops. Not, not exactly a prolific director, but he got the job done. Um, and again, this is the, the original Ghostbusters was a movie that, that was uh, saved, like, like Star Wars, saved in the editing room. Because mm-hmm. no one knew what, they, what, what the hell they were doing, what they were making. If you've seen deleted scenes, the original Ghostbusters, there are parts where Bill Murray plays like multiple roles. Yeah, they had like the whole scene where they were all like homeless guys. Yeah, like there's a lot of lowbrow comedy that they were kind of working with at first. And they cut out all the nonsense. Um, but here's this is why I'm bringing up this is why I'm bringing up the original Ghostbusters. I wanted to bring up the second Ghostbusters as well. Back then, in 1984, and also, you know, five years later, when the second Ghostbusters was released, genres didn't really have particular styles or methods in how they were created. They were all pretty much made the same way. Today, you know, genres, subgenres, they all have a certain way they're made. You know, today you can tell an action, an action movie from a comedy, a romantic comedy from you know, like a bro comedy. Uh, everything is very dynamically different today, very easily recognizable. And that has a lot to do with marketing and a lot to do with the fact that marketers kind of run the studio these days. Back then when Ghostbusters was made, that wasn't the case. It was still, it was still Hollywood, Hollywood. Hollywood was run by Hollywood. And today, I don't think you can make Ghostbusters anymore because... Back then, when you were kind of mixing genres, it was an easier sell. Today, it's like, okay, if we're going to make a comedy, but it's also going to be an action movie, like, people, like, they get confused. Like, we don't know how to do that. You know, ask any horror director today who are trying to make horror comedies. They can't sell it. They can't get anyone to pit to, to give money from it because they can't convince them that a horror comedy can work, even though, like, movies like Shaun of the Dead exist. Zombieland. But, Right, and, but they also always refer to the movies from the 80s, Ghostbusters, An American Werewolf in London. These movies were not made as comedies. They were made as movies, and they're kind of indistinguishable from like other films that were made at the time. So that's kind of a handicap that I think Paul Feig is working with, because Paul Feig is a 2016 comedy director, and I don't think a 2016 comedy director should make a remake of Ghostbusters. And that's a big fault of this movie is that it is it just it's a comedy. That's all right. that's all this movie it, is. And I'm not comedy. saying Ghostbusters is not a comedy. God knows I'm not saying that because I've had that argument with people <laughs> where people are saying that there there are people who insist that Ghostbusters is not a comedy. It is first and foremost a comedy. Right. It's but just it, that back then they were made very differently than how they're made today. Well and it's a genius comedy in that yeah. it it mixed horror and comedy. It's like poltergeist. Right. Poltergeist is a hilarious movie. It's also a horrifying movie. And yeah. the two are inseparable. And they remade it today, and they decided to go 100% horror movie with it. And it was awful. We saw it. It was awful. Bad movie. Um, Ghostbusters went the other route. They went 100% comedy with it. And mm-hmm. Though that being said, they're the... I think the maybe one of the funniest parts of the new Ghostbusters movie is also the scariest part of that movie, and that's the part with the mannequin. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, really creeped me out. Yeah, um, and that's one of those standout Leslie Jones moments, by the way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, uh, this a room full of nightmares? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the mannequin. Oh, the mannequin was super creepy, and it also happened to be the, one of the funniest moments in the movie. I, I, I mean, yeah. it... It's, you know, I, I think if you were to make Ghostbusters today, it would have to be made like a Marvel movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the room full of nightmares. I just pictured the whole scene. Of my... She opens the door. Yep, room full of nightmares. Not gonna go in there. Yeah. Not gonna go in there. Closes the door. <laughs> um, I want you guys to imagine what this movie would have been like if it was directed by John Favreau, the guy that directed the first Iron Man movie. Right. Yeah. And also, Zathra and stuff. It probably would have been much more of like a. I think it would be they would have tried to aim to make it more of a sort of a straightforward action movie. With like a couple of scare moments and then sort of witty commentary for jokes. Yeah, and I think I, I just think that there's a certain amount of balance that's needed, and it's it's hard to pull off that balance these days. I don't think we realize how hard that is because there's been a, so much of a balance in the past. Well, and you think about um, like the '84 Ghostbusters is a weird movie because super weird. Because, well, for one, there's no real antagonist to the movie. There's oh, no Gozer. real villain. Gozer, yeah. but. But not even really, because there's not really a threat to that character until the very last like scene of the movie. I mean, there's just hints of it. It's 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 just a there's a paranormal thing happening. Yeah. And these guys are dealing with it, and then it sort of crystallizes in the last act of the movie into a particular thing. But it's not like there's a running villain throughout the movie they're trying to chase. Whereas like this movie has a villain, which. That, that, that actually really did not like that. Um, I liked what they were kind of trying to do with the villain. I don't like that they included a villain in it. Yeah, it's um, also one of the reasons why I don't like Ghostbusters too. Anyway, so but I, I feel wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I mean, I guess you, Vigo the Carpathian is sort of, is the villain, but okay, whatever. We could get completely offside, off track on that. So <laughs> um, he's a better. You have to admit though, it's a, it is a better villain than this guy. And Yanosh is a much more creepy character and much more <clears throat> Yanosh is pretty much the only reason why I like Ghostbusters too. Yanosh is great. He, he makes it all worth it. Um Oh the scene come on, the scene in the subway with a slime, that is a great scene. The scene in the subway with the ghost train and all like the random like heads on spikes and stuff. Come on, Ghostbusters 2 is a de- is a decent movie. <laughs> it is a it is a it is a very decent movie. Come on. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's good. But I do think it was better than this one. Uh, go ahead, Matt. You were going to say something. Well, it's it's off. Tra- it's trailing off, though. But that's what we're doing here, anyway. I would say I'm thinking about what we're talking about as we're talking about this whole subject of mixing genres and stuff. And I really feel like the closest movie we have that I can think of recently, and it's not recent anymore, um, is good old Joss made Cabin in the Woods. Oh yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's the last time we got a. That, that I've seen, anyway. The last time we got a real glimpse at what happens when you mix two genres in a way that is 100% true to both genres. Right. It is a horror movie, and it is a comedy. It is not a horror comedy. It is both, and in, in like, one and the same somehow. Right. And that's the thing. It's, it's, that, is, that is a hard thing to pull off these days because mm-hmm. things have so distinct styles now. Uh, genres, subgenres vehicles this movie has to look like this this movie it, it, it's right. working with tone is is a very serious thing and if you if you screwed up you screw up your whole movie and i guess so what i really wonder is what would have happened if um joss got a chance to make the ghostbusters movie because he's got you know the buffy background the horror right. comedy that's buffy um cabin in the woods and not a horror comedy i hate saying that because it's not a horror comedy when you think no. of that, you think of like um, I, I don't I can't even think of an example. Well, but. well, it's it's I mean it's very literally 
its own genre, which is a ghost comedy. Mm-hmm. Ghost comedies were very popular back in the 1930s and 40s, starring people like Bing Crosby and stuff. Um, there, there's a movie called like The Ghost Smashers, and that that's it's basically like detectives like trying to bust ghosts. <laughs> it, it was it was a popular genre, and that's what Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd said that he got the idea for Ghostbusters. That and also his uncle's super bizarre occultic work. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not leaving out the fact that he that one of the things that makes Ghostbusters work so well is that Dan Aykroyd believes this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's why. Like, okay. And and I wanted to get to the heart. I haven't even really reviewed the movie yet. I'm still just talking about the original Ghostbusters, but this is all yeah. contextualizing how I feel. Okay. I, I tweeted the other day, I don't know if you guys saw it, um, that you become an adult once you realize that the heart of the original Ghostbusters was Harold Ramis. Hmm. Harold Ramis is a yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harold, Harold Ramis, when you look at his movies, he wrote Animal House. He wrote Caddyshack. He wrote Groundhog Day. Um, and he, of course, he wrote Ghostbusters. His movies, someone, he, he was in an interview, they were asking him, like, why do you write about losers? All of your movies, you write about losers. He's like, I don't write about losers. I write about rebels. They're people that play by their own rules. That's the heart of Ghostbusters to me. Mm-hmm. And I think Harold Ramis would love this movie because I think that's, I think this whole movie captures that. And, and, and not just, like, the story itself, but even just the idea of it. I kind of feel like it's... <sighs> I want to get super meta and pretentious, but I feel like the making of this movie and its sole existence is part of the movie's story. Oh yeah, totally. And they're, I mean, and they're very aware of that throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back to the movie itself, I, I like you, Chuck. I did start to notice that there were some things like inner, like like some actual dramatic conflict happening, like between Abby and Aaron. And um, I feel like that is something that's actually kind of missing. In the original Ghostbusters, but it has so much more going for it that it doesn't really need it. Right. Um, the, some of the dramatic conflict mostly exists between, you know, Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. And there's some there's even some stakes there, uh, which, by the way, uh, funny little aside, you know how he was actually going to go pick up Dana to go on a date. And then that's when he realized that she was possessed. And then he knocked her out with 300 cc's of therosine. Right. Why was Peter Vakeman going on a date with Dana with 300 cc's of therosine? I, you know, I think probably because... <laughs> <laughs> probably because in his work as a Ghostbuster, they've, they they realize they're probably going to encounter possessed people, and so they carry that just in the event they do. No, probably. I think he's a creepy man. Watch his, <laughs> watch his introduction in the opening. Oh no, he's totally where he's, he's a creep. He's totally a creep. He, where where he is electrocuting a man for no reason just to hit on the girl next to him. Um, he is, he's literally electrocuting a man so that he can, um, hit on her. You sure you can't see these? You sure you can't see (laughs) And she's, it's, it's a great scene, but he's definitely, he's, he's a creepy, creepy guy. I I, I don't deny that. Um, but he's, uh, I don't know. I, I I don't, I don't think he would go that far. I don't think it's that. (laughs) No, I don't think so. That was, it was, it was. But it's always an interesting joke about that. It's just to explain it away. Just to throw it. Why is it there? Why? Yeah. I just inject her 300 cc's of therosine. She's going to take a little nap now. Um, so back to my review of this movie, which seems non-existent. That's because I keep talking about the original. Um, uh, okay, so I think that's biggest fault is that it is too much of a retread of the first movie. I think that it's, it, it, it is too beholden to the original. I think that that actually hinders them. Matt, you were saying that uh, the most exciting thing about it was the fact that it's an all-female cast because by doing that, that automatically makes it not a retread. And you are, I think you're 100% right. But it doesn't, it it didn't keep it from being a retread. 
yeah, the I fact know. that they were women, it did allow them to deviate many times, but it kept coming back to it. Yeah, no, and that's and that's what I meant by that was what I got excited when I heard that because I knew they would try to go back and recreate the first one to an extent. I knew they were going to do that. Naturally, they're bringing it back. They're going to try and reboot it and bring back the old one. Yeah, you got to um, press that nostalgia button. Right. What And what gave me hope was that regardless of how much they went back and retread on the original, um, it was already different because it was an all-female cast. I'm not saying that that means, oh, it's different and they're not retreading. No, they totally, like the plot, it's it's totally different. And at the same time, it's totally the same. Like it, it's I, following the, the same points. I would say the movie feels less um, like a reboot and more like a remix. He's creating a whole new thing here. Now we have remix movies. <laughs> and I liked how they tried to mix things up. I liked that they didn't let them become celebrities overnight. I thought that was a good idea. Showing how, like, it kind of illustrating the glass ceiling for women, you know, like, okay, like the original Ghostbusters became celebrities overnight, but they can't because they're women and they don't, and they want them to think that they're just crazy women. Like, there's a difference between like a crazy person and a crazy woman. It's even worse, you know, it's even more sexist. It's, it's sexist at that point. Um, I like that, but at the same time, I, I'm of the opinion that if you're going to replace something that is an idea that is iconic, it needs to be equally iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it kind of halts the story because then becoming celebrities was a forward progression in the narrative. And if you're going to prevent the forward progression of a narrative, your story is not going to go anywhere. It's just going to meander. And that's that there's some second act meandering because of that, even though it's a good idea. And there was some forward progression. It was sort of like based on their own choices, but it wasn't it's not as good as the original. Because the original, that, that progression was, was an iconic idea. Does that make sense? Am yeah, I making any sense? Yeah, and I, and I yeah. actually think that they, they had the makings of an incredible movie. Yeah. And with all the same points, just they, they were lacking. But, for example, I think in today's world, if you're going to create a Ghostbusters, they're not going to become celebrities. Because in today's world, the way we are, we see a video and automatically go, oh, please, that's fake. Somebody made that up. <laughs> right. um, so I think it's done poorly in the movie, which I still stand by. I, I really, really liked this movie. But it is a bad movie. Like, I just loved it. But it's bad. <laughs> um, they did it poorly. But I do think that if Ghostbusters came out for real, all of a sudden these people are catching ghosts and putting videos up of actual ghosts on YouTube, we would all just think it's cool special effects. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, look, Paranormal Activities 94 is on YouTube now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I, I think that they had the makings of, you know, touching on some really good, good points and kind of a modern equivalent of back then if this stuff started showing up people are like oh my gosh this is for real now like they had so many little throwaway moments that in and of themselves in this movie actually are a hindrance and hurt the movie Mm -hmm. but are great ideas had they focused on one and made the movie about that an example being the whole government conspiracy thing is stupid in this movie it's stupid but Leads to a great could, joke, though. But it could have been... It does make great jokes. There's a couple of great moments in the movie. But it could have been an interesting concept for a movie. But mm-hmm. because it's a throwaway thing in this, it's stupid. The idea that nobody believes them because they just think it's a special effects thing and all that stuff 
could have been much more commentary on today's generation and how we miss the obvious, but they don't they don't use that. But um, but at the same time, like the mayor and everybody believes them. Well, that's because they all know about it already. I, yeah, and that was something I just really did not like that it was just like. But see, like I, but <sighs> that's but, what I, that's what the, the the other the first movie is so the, the original is so much better in that because right it, and and I agree the original is so much better that's my point this yeah, one yeah. does it so poorly but like I I walked away going see but that to me is what would happen today because we're so far advanced in everything else today that if this stuff was real if it was somebody would have proof of it already so other people would already be onto it. So the concept of mm, yeah. the government knowing about it and trying to handle it without telling us plays into the whole paranoia of today. It's a great concept, but it's such a throwaway, nonsense, done version of it in this movie. I mean, the, the guys doing it are like the typical idiot comedy bad guys. Like, the two agents are just, like, clueless idiots. Mm-hmm. Like, they're goofy-looking. They're, they're, they're just your typical blundering doofuses who have no idea what's going on. It's done so poorly that it's annoying, but um, but it leads to some great comedic moments to well, me, which is why I still love this movie because I cracked up laughing. Through well, movie. can I just say I'll <laughs> add because my mom's all this with us, and my mom my mom has worked for governments like she's worked for small city small town governments for the past like decade or more, um, and uh, she she really liked that part. She thought from her job perspective, she's like, yeah, she's like the idea that like, you have these government people who think they have it handled when they clearly have no idea what they're dealing with. She's like, it's just perfect. Yeah. And that's what I mean is they like so unprepared for it. Right. And that's what, if they did this exact movie and got rid of, like you said, the bad guy that they're pursuing throughout the movie and just had this stuff happening, like in the original, like it's a natural disaster. Kind but of thing. Yeah. instead of in the original, them being the ones to discover it and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, they're saving us. If you had that equivalent in today's world where they're they're like, yeah, we already know about it, this. We got it. Like, you guys can go play. We got this figured out. And done the movie that way, it could have been great. Um, but to throw it in as a side note on top of this other plot line going on with the villain running around and his whole motive that's just, to me, is so stupid. Such a typical yeah. nonsense easy motive that it's just... I don't. I, I don't like that the threat hinged on the villain. Mm-hmm. Right. That the, that sole existence of ghosts was hinged on the villain. Well, like, I was um, kind of. I was kind of hoping. Well, their sole activity, not their existence. He's the reason. Well, that's, that's what I mean. I mean he's the, the reason they're around. Now. Well, yeah. And they had kind of. I, I feel like they hinted that there was something bigger going on. And I was kind of hoping it was entirely. He was like a member of some cult. Right. That was trying to bring about the end of the world. But no, he's just some dude that apparently knows all this yeah, stuff. Like, yeah. Like, it, you were it, really hoping at the end you'd find out he was a cult that worshipped this guy named Vigo. <laughs> or Zool. I mean, they made the Zool reference in the, in the yeah. post-credits teaser, um, which uh, I rolled my eyes. And that, that's a big criticism that I have towards the movie as well. I think maybe it kind of falls on people like Paul Feig and Kate Dippold, who, who, who wrote the screenplay. Um, you know, you don't have Dan Aykroyd working on the screenplay, so it's not going to lean into the weirdness right. that the first two movies do. I mean, they talk about ley lines and stuff, which is like, I, 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 I like uh, when I, when they talked about it, because I love that stuff. Like right. when, that part was awesome. Like, the, let me tell you my, one of my, one of JP's favorite things that happen in movies is when somebody, a character goes into Johnny explainer mode and they're explaining like weird Stupid crap that is does not exist in the real world, but it exists 
in the movie world. So like when they're explaining ley lines and like Holson brings out a book all about ley lines, I'm like, yeah, like, like the, like, like the that's Babel crack in Star for me. Trek. Huh? Like Trekno Babble in Star Trek. Yeah, that, yeah. But, well, when you do it like equivalent a, is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh well, yeah. She joins school and Giles sets that vampire book on the desk yeah. that's been yeah, around yeah. for centuries. Yeah, that's stuff like vampires. that, or like even the original Ghostbusters when they're explaining to Peter, uh, and you know this is this is a you're breaking a, a very very important rule of cinema by by telling and not showing. I don't care when it comes to this, though. Like, when Egon is talking about, like, why Dana's building is so weird, yes. that, is, that is crack for me. Oh, that, totally. Like, <laughs> keep talking, Egon. Well, have you have, and, you, have you played the uh, the Ghostbusters video game that they released, like, PlayStation 3 and others? I, I've played it a little bit, yeah. Because the architect um, right. of that yeah. building plays uh, a, is a figure throughout the whole game, and it's actually kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, Ivor Shandor. Yeah. I, Shandor. Ivor Shandor, yeah. You Shandor. lost me on this one. I'm in the back again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have thoughts in the game, but uh, I'm not going to get into the game. I don't yeah, want to talk no. about the game. That's, that's actually not very good. Uh, the only good thing about the video game is that you get to be a Ghostbuster. That's like right. the only real draw to it. Right. Um, and I feel like in this conversation, I get to be Peter Venkman because I have no idea what you guys are talking about. So I'm proud of that. So go ahead. <laughs> carry on. <laughs> Except I'm not uh, walking around with tranquilizers in my pocket. <laughs> so... You ha- you're missing that aspect that I love so much about Ghostbusters, which is really leaning into the mythic weirdness. And because of that, you know, if it's just it's just a dude who uses technology to raise ghosts, okay, whatever. I mean, I can I can I can play with it a little bit. I, I can move along. But when you like the first one was like, oh, a Babylonian god opens like a doorway into another world because his hotel has like brass bolts in it like yeah. like that that's crazy to me and like the, the the owner of the hotel did like horrific surgeries back in the 30s and oh give me more of that like that's what i want like but, i want i want dan yeah, I, I, I want but, i want to hear dan Aykroyd preach through this movie but brother <laughs> like, by the way did you notice the uh did you see the did you catch the apartment building in the beginning of the movie oh no i've missed it uh when they show that when the opening shot of the movie um when they pan down on the city and they pan down to the to the mansion Oh, yeah. Right behind the mansion is Dana's apartment building, and the roof is exactly set up. It's it's clearly, oh, it's, it's kind of clearly digital, um, yeah. but it's designed to look just like the concluding part of the first Ghostbusters movie. Like it has the big like circle in it, and all the statues yeah. and stuff on it. Well, see, any and that's what I'm talking about. And like Star Wars, you know, when when they were had to read all the lines, they had no idea what they were saying. And the same thing happened in Ghostbusters. And to me, that's, that's a sign of greatness. Um, so that's what I think they could have, they, at least I would like to see more of in the sequels really lay into the really, really lean into the weirdness. The ley line oh. sync is cool, but I wanted more. Yeah. Um, like, 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 you know, Tobin's spirit guide It's an actual book. Yeah. Yeah. It's an actual <laughs> book. Um, and well, like, that's... I love, like, and I love that like in Ghostbusters two, um, 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 stance, um, owns a, an occult bookstore. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because like that—that that to me, like that's the kind of stuff. Like it, that to me, like looks like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of mm-hmm. thing. Because like my favorite parts of Buffy is I love Giles and I love the whole Watcher concept and I love yeah. like his library has all these ancient like arcane tomes. That's why you're a priest, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, I, I was actually trying to think about if there's any divinity aspect to this movie we could talk about. I kind of want to. I, I there's not that we can get off. So we kind of still have stuff to say, but uh, well, I mean. I, I mean, I, I, the power of Patty. Yeah, the power yeah, of Patty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's demon possession in it. There's that. I mean, I will say, I I really love the cast. I think the cast is the best thing about the movie. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think Chris. I love watching Kristen Wiig's serious face when she's when she's uh, when she's when she's brandishing a proton pack. 
I, I loved watching the girls take on the ghosts during the third act. Like the part where Holtzman takes a little mini proton accelerators. Like I haven't gotten that excited for like someone's scene where they take everybody out since like I saw Blade when I was 15 years old. Like I thought that was a lot of fun. You know, I, I, I'm a sucker. My favorite scenes in Ghostbusters are, are you know, the, the, the occult babble stuff, but also like the part where they lit the ghost free in New yes, York. Yes, I love that that's my part. That's my favorite scene. So when, Which, they, when they do stuff like that, some, the chaos around the city, you know, I, I really respond to that personally. I thought the characters were, were really great, but I don't think that they were just given a whole lot. I think that st- staying too true to the original really hindered the movie a lot. And I feel like Her- and I'm being so pretentious by, by telling you guys what I think Harold Ramis would think of this movie. But I really do think that he would like it a lot. I think he would love the idea of the, of the girls taking over. But I also think you would have been like, come on, do your own thing, you know? Yeah. In his sort of jovial Harold Ramis fashion. I do think one thing the movie achieved 100%, and it's not just me saying it, I honestly believe. One thing it did 100% set out to achieve that it did achieve is proving that the casting was perfect. Yeah. I think that the whole argument about the women ghostbuster thing was blown out of the water i think the casting was incredible i think that the jokes and the the comedic timing and the way they played off each other i think holtzman is amazing i know you guys Um, really like her uh, i really do um but i also really love patty too i like i I, can i just say like you know the marketing i think the marketing kind of failed this movie a little bit because they really did push that Patty knew the streets. Like they were totally leading into that stereotype. But in the reality, she was a she was a history buff. Like that's right. what she meant. Like what she knew said she knew New York. I kinda wish though that they had they had done more with her, the history thing, rather than just her being a buff. Like I kinda wished that like there yeah. could have been like a story around where she actually studied history or something. But mm. I will say the one thing that bothers me about her character is so she just up and quits her MTA job on a lark to join the Ghostbusters. Like, they're not hiring. She just quits her job and is like, yo, I want to join you. Oh, no. Lark, she twice. She saw a ghost, man. She twice was chased by the ghost of a man who was electrocuted to death. If I saw that for real, I'd be like, I'm all about this. And I'd go do it, too. Like, forget everything else. But I'm just saying, like, like she makes a comment about, like, how she had a really good job with the MTA. Mm -hmm. She should go back, like, right before she walked into the room full of nightmares. And I just thought, like, so... That's if what I you see, do. If I see the two twins from The Shining, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the part when the demon is on her shoulders is really funny. Yeah. She's, I'm tight. I'm no, gonna go home. It was I'm, just, go home. I'm just gonna go home. No, also it was a joke that played in the previews. I need that you I, to not tell me anything right now. I'm just <laughs> the, the one joke they played in the previews that still worked for me in the movie is the part where she crowd surfs and she's like, "I don't know if it's a race thing or a lady thing, but I am <laughs> mad as hell." <laughs> Um, that still that's that still worked for I me. I actually I left saying all the jokes that were in the trailer. Um, a couple of them I laughed at in the trailer. Some of them was like that's really dumb. All of them I laughed at in the movie. I thought they all worked in the context, even down to the wig when Holtzman's in the uh, wearing the wig and the hat. Mm. I even laughed at that. I thought they worked in the movie. I, even the jokes that they showed, I found myself cracking up laughing at once I knew these characters in the movie. And Holtzman, to me, yeah, she's completely over the top. That's because she's, like, insane. And her <laughs> sole existence on the face of the earth 
is to make everybody around her as uncomfortable as she possibly can. Yeah, and I just didn't and like I that. And I love like, that. I just felt like they made her, like, she was just weird for the sake of being weird. I, and but, I didn't like that. But that was exactly what they did. She was weird 100% because she wanted to be weird. Like, her character is a woman who is like, I'm going to just have fun in life. And I'm going to act like a complete freak, and I'm going to just have a blast making everybody else go, like, uncomfortable around me and feel insane. Um, I, I thought that's that's the way her character came across to me, is that she she's I, legitimately odd, but then she... flirts she with everybody, enjoys, which is really funny. Yeah, she just enjoys making everybody else uncomfortable. Like, it's it's just, like, she finds joy in life by making feel, them all uncomfortable. I feel like that's how Kate McKinnon probably is in And I think that it meant, I think that it worked so much more for me um, because I, I swear I know her in real life. And I won't <laughs> and say I, the name because people who listen know who I'm talking about. And I guess that's the thing that bothers I me is I, I think them. I know her in real life, too, and I don't like that person. But, see, I know her in real life, and we were, like, best friends growing up. Okay. And we had a blast just tormenting people. With our own weirdness, not doing anything, just flat out leaning into, I enjoy weird, like, goofy nonsense. Like, uh, like things like Star Trek and Star Wars before it was cool. It would be the guy who just walks into the room and is spouting off all his knowledge about the Death Star. Making yeah. everybody around him be like, what is wrong with this guy? And loving it. So. Can I, can, can, let me, can let me tell you my favorite part of the movie. All right. Um, and my favorite part of the movie actually did not take place in the movie. It happened before the movie. Um sitting in the theater, waiting for the movie to start. Behind me was a nine-year-old, I'm going to say nine-year-old girl with her mom. And I, li- and I just happened to catch her. She was explaining to her mother who all the Ghostbusters are, who they were. <laughs> all, and she was talking about the female Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. She was explaining to who they were, what they were about, what they were doing. She was, it reminded me of, like, as a small kid, doing the same thing with the Ghostbusters characters, you know, like with, like, you know, Egon and Spangler, and, or Egon Spangler, and, like, uh, you know, all that. Um, and I, to me, that was the most heartwarming thing about it is this <laughs> little girl just amped about this movie that starred women, you know, and that she could look up to that and be excited about that. And, and you know, as, as, as much as I want to say that I did not, like, I thought the movie, and we've all said it, the movie has problems. I think, I think it works as a, in, in some ways as like a, a movie kids could see and mm-hmm. enjoy. And I think it works on that level. Um, I feel like it, it works on a level kind of like taking the, the, the real Ghostbusters animated show to like a sort of a more adult kind of perspective. I mean, to the fact that even Kate McKinnon's character you know, it looks like Egon from the cartoon. Yeah. Um, I think that was intentional. But the fact that I got to you know hear this little girl just be so excited about it, the way that like I was excited about things as a little boy, I think is really heartwarming. <laughs> and um, and I would, you know, and I, that's, to me, the movie is a, is, a, is a resounding success, if only because of that. Absolutely. I totally agree. I wasn't a big fan of how the ghosts look. I'm going to put that out there. Let's let's just let's just throw that out there. Uh, you see the, reaching the end. Yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't the a big fan of their choice and Did you um, see it in 3D at all? No, I See, didn't. I wonder if I, I wonder if we'd seen it in 3D if it looked cooler. No, but here's the I've thing. I've heard a lot that 3D is actually really good. Here's the thing. I thought that the design to them looked cool. I thought that the the idea of the lady in the mansion, the idea of the guy in the subway who was electrocuted, the the inmate in his outfit with the electric chair hat still that, like strapped to his head, I thought all that was cool. I thought that the neon glowing light, the bright blues and greens, um, it, it annoyed me and it kept reminding me of the Casper movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 
I wanted them to look a little more spooky. Some little... people have mentioned Haunted Mansion. Yeah, yeah, yes, haunted, totally the haunted Disney mansion. Haunted Mansion. That's an even yeah. better example. The, yeah. the, dude, the dude with the top hat and the stilts, like the really tall, skinny guy, looked like a guy I saw in Halloween Horror Nights one yeah. year. But, but see, I liked all the ways they looked. I thought that they were way too bright, way too clear. Um, they, they glowed too much. Like the whole room lights up when they come into the room. Um, I, I didn't like all that. I thought it was too... Um, yeah, Haunted Mansion's perfect. It was too Haunted Mansion. I wanted a little more Ghostbuster. I wanted them to be a little more transparent, a little more faded. I will um, say, I really... The one ghost design to me that worked the most that I thought was really cool was the um, where the parade float ghosts. Mm-hmm. Like that. Oh, yeah. thing. I thought those were really cool looking. Though then, of course, one of them had to be Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I kind of hated that the final villain was the Ghostbusters logo. Oh, God. Can I talk about how... I actually uh, liked how, that I movie. liked it, too. Uh, in the movie, I liked it. I had a cool design. And I, I liked the... I thought that they did okay with why he looked like that. I thought it was kind of funny because it's the one... It, I, it fit with the one uh, with Leslie Jones' character for her to be the smart mouth. Who's, he's like, <laughs> what do you want me to look like? And she's like, I want you to look little and cute. And, just, and he, he's like, all right, how about this? And turns into their cute little ghost logo. I thought it worked within characters, within the movie, within all the smart-alecky comments can, back and forth. I can we at it. least agree that the scene where the logo is developed is awful? That is an awful scene. I kind of liked that, too. <laughs> I, did, I laughed. I laughed. I laughed. I thought, how is that funny? It I wasn't even funny. Liked, I even like as the guy spray-painting that he's like, hold on. He's like, shh. That, 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 that's like, what that, that was making me like, laugh. The way I he love, was reacting. I love to that it. he's like. I mean, the way they're making fun of like Banksy. Like, I love the funny, whole. But... I love the whole. I'm so sorry. As he's spray painting, I loved it. <laughs> it seemed thing. so forced, so ham fisted. Like they had to give the logo an origin. Come on. Uh, I don't. I don't I blame that. them because I. That is. That that is our world today, Chuck. Everything needs a reason to exist now. So uh, I hated that. I the, hated that so much. The difference. You think Batman begins? The difference is, I thought that this origin was fun. I liked it. I laughed at the origin of the logo being just the smart like down in the. And I love that the crazy Ghostbuster is like, "Am I crazy or is that a good logo?" And she's like taking a picture on her phone, and she's the one who decides that's what it is. And like, just, spray paste, puts it just it on the seemed. Car. It just seems so. It it was so unnecessary. Yeah. So my, my, my final thoughts is I, I thought it was great when it wasn't trying so hard to be like the original. And I thought that the cast was the best part of it. And I, I, I want to see a sequel. Um, but I want a sequel with a better director and a better writer. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, Screen Crush did announce today. Uh, the wonderful Brittany Hayes on Screen Crush did announce that there is going to be a sequel. All right. Uh, the executive producer said so himself. Um, it only made forty-five million over the weekend, but given the season and given its competition, uh, and, and given, given the Pokemon film, Go, yeah, and given yeah. Pokemon Go, <laughs> uh, that and plus, you know, if if the if even if a movie does not, and this is some uh, inside baseball for our listeners, um, even a, if a movie doesn't succeed financially, if the executives thought that it was a good movie, it's going to get a sequel. Because even executives are like, well, they're wrong to not go see our movie. So let's go spend money to make another one. We'll get it right the next time. I will say, um, since you mentioned that, as we're, I was just leaving the theater. I don't think you heard this, Matt. But there was a guy behind me. Um, he was with like a girlfriend or sister or something. I didn't really pay much attention. But he was like, he was like, there's no way they can do a sequel. 
He's like, when has an all-female cast ever carried a movie? Like, when is that? Like, he was just like all of the commentators that we ever hear on the he internet. Said he that was walking there, out of the movie, walking out of the movie, talking to a female companion of his, because and she was like, "Well, I liked it. I thought it was good." And he was basically like, "You're wrong." But that's but that's so that's so dumb. I don't understand how you sat through that movie and walked out saying that because even if you hated the movie, or carried a franchise as was a female has has a all female cast ever carried a franchise? Because uh, even uh, if you, uh, not because men don't let them. Exactly. Yeah. But I was going to say, even if you hated the movie, you had to have seen that they were amazing. Well, but I think I think people like him, though, refuse to let themselves enjoy the movie. I am, I am afraid that the sequel will have a bunch of guys joining the team. I'm a little afraid that they're going to start yeah. messing with that. Well, they were um, going originally going to do like going a spin-off to do an all men's one. Channing Tatum and, and uh, uh, Chris Pratt with by the Russo brothers, but that was shot down because yeah. Russo brothers dedicated themselves to Marvel. So, yeah. which uh, which I would have wanted to see just because the names attached, but but I actually don't. I have no interest in seeing another male-led Ghostbuster. I loved the originals, and I mm. think you leave them alone. Um, if you're going to do Ghostbusters, I love this route with it, and I want them to totally go for it. Like you're saying, the fault of this movie is they didn't totally go for it. Yeah, they, they, held, yeah. they held back and they edited because they had a point to prove, and they wanted to prove that this is a good movie, the The women in this movie are incredible. So they kind of, I think, held back on the stuff that they were afraid would turn people off to it and go, oh, this is a cheesy, weird yeah. movie to sell they, that. They let the girls go nuts, which, mm-hmm. but they needed to be reined in so they could right. lead into the weirdness of the story. Right. They needed to let them go nuts like they did because the, yeah. the, the women nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they needed to go nuts with the story. Right. And they didn't because they were afraid that they'd scare people away from seeing this movie. So the sad thing is it was probably a smart move in the mm-hmm. sense that the movie came out. It proved that the that this works. Um, so in our messed up world, it was probably a smart move to make the safe movie and let them show it works, and then go for it. Hopefully in the sequel. But if they had just gone for it, I honestly believe we were on the verge of that miraculous, never should have happened again movie that we were like the Ghostbusters. The original is still like it's still like the holy grail of movies, mm-hmm. but this one nailed it. I right. think we missed that only because they held back because of the controversy around the movie. I think that there was because it was obviously cut after the fact. There's obviously editing and jokes added in and edits made because of the controversy around it. Um, like when they go to the computer and the first comment she reads is "ain't no ain't no b word gonna bust no ghosts," and she's like, "Oh no, you don't read things about people like that." Like, yeah. um, it, it was obvious that the movie was reacting. Oh, um, and I think even in the, even within the fabric of the movie itself, they're aware of certain things, even mm-hmm. before the controversy. Because I, I don't think there's any coincidence in the fact that the, that the villain character, which this is something I really, I hate that they did not do more with. There's a, a, among, among many things I hate that they just they, they set it up and they just don't do anything with. And that is, um, he turns back the clock on Times Square and makes it look like the 70s. Right. 
And like one, I'm like my, my initial reaction is like, oh, that's a like taxi driver. Like he's kind of like dialing it back to, but he's just like back to like real New York or whatever. And I'm like, okay, yeah. the so golden age. Yeah, golden so we're like, okay, so we've got a little bit of a slight. Are we gonna have like a little bit of a gentrification commentary here? <laughs> um, are we a Disneyfication commentary? No, we're not gonna do that. And yeah, that was a big disappointment for me. Is New York was not as much of a character in this movie right. as it was in the original movie. Right. Yeah. But then again, I different eras, you know. Right. So. But but at the same time, I also thought like, oh, but like '70s New York is like back when like like '60s '70s New York like the time he's showing it's like when men could be men and like they ran everything like it seemed to really like there seemed to be like gender politics stuff that i i feel that they just didn't really double down with i kind of wish they had like i kind of wish they had given like a scathing commentary that's what i mean is i think they like i think they i think they filmed it and wrote it but then they cut it but that's what i mean is i think that they played it safe i think they cut it up and played it safe because of what happened and they're like We'll just let the movie come out and show them, hey, it's a good movie. And yeah. I think that they really hurt themselves in not going all out. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so do you, did you guys find and divine anything spiritual out of this? What could the church learn from Ghostbusters? Uh, I, mean, I, I was thinking about like, just viewing it from a theological standpoint. The one thing that got me was when they start blowing up ghosts. Like, how does this work? Like, <laughs> you're already dead? And yeah, so it is, dead it is also... Yeah, kind of weird. Ha- but I don't think they really died again. Yeah, I think they were disrupted talking, their ionization. Yeah, because they were whatever. talking to him still. She's still standing there going, I'm glad I didn't meet any of you when you were alive because I don't like any of you. She's like, You? I definitely don't like you. So, and they're just these like clouds on the ground. I think they just broke up their form and ability to. Yeah, act. I mean, they went through this whole point of saying that like their form is some, some form of ionization. So yeah. I guess like they're sort of deionizing them. Yeah, which kind of yeah. which kind of worked to explain the science aspect of this. But I was actually annoyed by how much this movie relied on science. Right. And these little stupid machines that the guy's building. Like, there's no other way he could have brought them here than to build these machines. Yeah, like, um, I, mean, like, I, I love witchcraft or something. I love Ghostbusters fighting ghosts with science. That's what the first one did. That's what I love. But I like the spiritual, supernatural realm of it to be the spiritual, supernatural realm. And then yeah. to be these scientists that are trying to figure out how in the well, world yeah, do we like, interact with that. Right, and like Ghostbusters in the original movie is somewhat an idea of like science can co-opt the paranormal mm-hmm. and the supernatural but like we can also use science to sort of defeat it you know like mm-hmm. it's kind of like the the myth of the boar's head i don't know if you guys know about the boar's head festival in in europe um couple churches do these festivals anyway but it it celebrates the the victory of reason over brutality um where a boar attacks some oxford student in the woods and to defend himself he used a copy of like some aristotle book and like shove it in things throat and killed it and so like it's a celebration of reason over over barbarism, brutality, kind of thing, and I, I feel like the original Ghostbusters does uh, some wait, of that. What? How is that a celebration over reason that you crammed a book down? He didn't do it. Like, like he just sort of like went to defend himself, and he holds the book uh-huh. aloft, and mm-hmm. it the boar like okay. ends up eating okay. it. But so yeah. it is knowledge and reason. If I shove a book down somebody's throat and kill him, according to yeah. the, according I kill them with knowledge. <laughs> according to this thing, anyway, it just it's it's his mythology symbolism thing. Anyway, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. the the and, and the original Ghostbusters is that because it is it's an occult thing. Like there is an occult presence in the eighty four mm-hmm. Ghostbusters movie and in the sequel that is not in this movie in the same way because no, again it's all, all like this science. is all science conjuring the, the paranormal itself in this movie is science. There's no it's occult. All it's all ionization, and it's it's just it's it's all science, and mm-hmm. that's what it was lacking. Is it's lacking science coming up against the supernatural? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's it, you know, I always okay. tell people if if I could do anything with it with it with a time machine, 
I want to go back to 1984. I want to go into the to the opening night of Ghostbusters, and I just want to walk in the theater right when the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man makes his appearance, and just to hear the confusion in the audience, right. just being like, "What's happening?" <laughs> like because okay, you got a fun time busting ghosts, and then all of a sudden, like, "Whoa, uh, Babylonian gods, uh, portals, everywhere! What is going on?" And you're like, you're scared, and like the scientists are overwhelmed by all this horrible occultness, and then stay off Marshmallow Man. Like, what, what, huh? Right. Like, should I laugh? Should I be terrified? <laughs> like, kind of do both. Yeah. I. So, yeah. You but, can't cap. You can't know. recapture that. You know, like. Here, here. It's all part of the I don't know what I was doing thing. Here's something I'm wondering, and and again, I'm. This is probably. Oh, Matt, roll your eyes that I'm reading too much into it. But I'm wondering if this Ghostbusters movie. In the part that we're talking about, the fault is that we live in a world that has been so clearly science versus religion that this movie abandons all of that and goes strictly science Mm, instead of playing off both. Like we live in this world where um, to believe in the supernatural, to believe in um, spiritual, to believe in religion is crazy. And science is not, or the other way around, science is crazy and we're all right, instead of the two blending and realizing that they complement each other completely. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this movie is a result kind of of that, in the I sense that, that in, in kind of the same way that the, the uh, prequels of Star Wars wiped out the mysticism of the Force and made it all scientific and blood tests, <laughs> um, this movie is kind of the same vein, it's that it's all kind of, scientific. You know, it, it, and that's why I like Hellboy 2 so much and director Guillermo del Toro, because he talks about that a lot, how we've sort of lost our sense of magic. And we mm-hmm. actually talked about that on, on our podcast before. We did. We mm-hmm. talked about in the episode where we talked about, the second episode, I think, where we talked about... Um, the, the Witch. The Witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, I... I, um, I, yeah, and I think, like, because it deals with the afterlife. It deals with the afterlife. That's the realm of theology. Well, yeah, and, yeah. And nobody, and, and, and this is something even Coast, even the original movie doesn't deal with, and I'd love to see someone deal with this, is the ethics of what you do with these souls of, yeah. of the undead. Because you capture them, and you put them into a containment unit, so you're not really letting them pass on to whatever, like, Proper you're putting after- them in their own like, personal hell. You're right. Put them in jail like, without a trial. Exactly. Well, if, you're vigilantes. Well, and for, and for example, like, I don't know if you guys remember the cartoon, but like in the cartoon, there's an episode where like you kind of get to follow Slimer into the containment unit. That, yeah. And it's like an Esh, it's, it's like a, um, oh, what's his name? Is it Van Eyck? Um, it's uh, like this Renaissance era painter who like did all this like really horrific hell depictions. But it's like, it's like that kind of thing. Like it's a really messed up, like terrible place to be. And it's like, these are just people's souls. Like you're condemning them to hell. Uh, it would be, and it would be an interesting an interesting idea to see Ghostbusters talk about the idea of like they created purgatory. You know what? I yeah, think Dan Aykroyd like, has it all figured out. He probably has a whole explanation behind it. He's just holding back. And that's the thing. Dan Aykroyd was executive producer on this movie. The yeah. you, they saw the logo for the Ghost Corp, right? Mm-hmm. Him yeah. and Ivan Reitman started that for a new Ghostbusters franchise. So he's 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 on top of the food chain in this. Like he does have a say in it. And I'm a little surprised that you guys are right. They they leaned more into the science thing than the weirdness. Oh, that's, and, and I wonder I if like that, Dan Aykroyd is like. And that's know. what I'm wondering if that's what happened on the editing room floor. Right, because it's in the fringes is, of the movie. Right, is that when the controversy arose and they had a whole new thing in the real world outside of the movie to prove because of what happened and the way the internet responded. I'm wondering if on the editing room floor they got rid of all the um, spiritual, occultish, mystical stuff in the movie 
because they were like, nobody's going to find that stuff interesting. They're going to think that's weird and not go see it. So let's just stick with the parts that we know are going to work. Because uh, the, the parts that they show... Which is very show, 90s. Because the yeah. parts they show, which is my stance on this movie, is I absolutely loved this movie. I'm just going to say it. I loved it. I think it's an awful movie, though. But I loved it because it's like they I mean, showed. I like Tron Legacy. It's like <laughs> this is our Tron Legacy, Matt. It is. It's our Tron Legacy. But it's like it's like they showed. Love that movie. It's like they showed a fully a full feature trailer for the Ghostbusters concept. Not in the same way I said that Batman v Superman was like a big trailer because that one's right. like split up like a trailer, literally like a trailer. This one though, it feels like what I mean by that is they showed you all the best scenes. Or at least what they thought were the best scenes and the best jokes. Right. That's what they showed you. Or here's our best scenes, our best jokes. And they left out all the stuff that was like the meat the connective the tissue, yeah. that took the risk. They left out the risk. They got rid of everything that could have failed or could have made this incredible. Well, and they left the part that made it a fun experience. And, and like that's thinking, why I loved it. It was a fun experience. And some of the paranormal stuff is like, and some of like the like the like the the uh, the occultic stuff is kind of in the periphery of the movie. I mean, like Kate McKinnon, you know, holds, she has a whole library of like spirit books. They're in the you know they talk about EVP in it, which. It's, That's true. Yeah. Leaves a really good joke in the opening of the movie, by the way, and uh, very lowbrow <laughs> joke, but it's very funny. That's another. That's what I mean. That's another one of those jokes that when it happened, I died laughing. And but I'm like, I shouldn't laugh at that because it's like an eight year old. Such a lowbrow joke. But it's joke. so funny. But then like, <laughs> like the scene with the mirrors, mm-hmm. like all the mirrors with like the ghost hands coming out, like that's very. Which like, again looked like haunted mansion, but mirrors being a, por- a, a window port, yeah, into like the, Constantine. The I mean, it's a very. I mean, it, that plays back to the old bowls of water. The, the mirrors that you stare into and it's it's portals right. into the other realms. Well, and that like, and, I mean, and people used to do divination, looking in mirrors, and like I mean, yeah, being a priest. What, that's what I mean. Being and, a priest, you know, we, we we talk about exorcism and that kind of stuff plays in a role in that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, that's yeah. that's what this movie was lacking. Is nobody? It seemed like other than this random scene where she has this box of books and pulls one out and throws it on the table, proving that she's read all this stuff because she knew exactly what it was when she saw it. They got rid of all that in the editing, I think. And nobody in this movie is talking about anything as though it is a supernatural spiritual existence. Right. And no one and no one's an occultist. They, in the they movie. solely They're all scientists. They solely talk about it from science. Yeah. It's solely a here's the scientific side, let's prove it scientifically. And they nobody steps back and nobody's the, the Ray character who's just lost his mind on the fact that these are like insane occultish beings trying to kill us. I have a feeling Abby was supposed to be that character. Right. Or at least Aaron because she said she had an interaction with a ghost. See, but I yeah. actually but I actually wonder if it was Holtzman because she had the books. I feel like they cut out the scene. Yeah. I feel like they cut out the scene where the lunatic character goes off on her weird rant about the occult and the supernatural and how this guy is summoning demon mm-hmm. spirits from what like I feel like they wiped that out. Uh, so, uh, for final verdict, uh, if, if I can surmise, summarize this, our, our thoughts, uh, it is a movie that is not without its flaws, but none of us are arguing that it is not a good time at the movies, that it is yeah. at least a pretty entertaining film, but it does have its flaws. Uh, stacking it up against the original seems a bit unfair. Stacking um, anything against the original seems unfair, though. That's my point. Any movie. How, <laughs> at the same time, how can you not want to try so hard mm-hmm. to lean into some things? Um, but you know what? See it for yourself and tell us what you think. Leave a comment. 
if you've seen the movie, uh, we also want to hear from you. Um, and let's get a, let's start, start a little discussion going. Why not? Um, let's talk to some ghost bros. <laughs> let's talk to some ghost bros. I don't want to talk to ghost bros. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're gonna actually they're gonna they're gonna accuse us of being like Sony shills, and I really kind of want to pretend that we are making money from Sony. There was a lot of logos at the end of this movie. We could have made money off of everybody. <laughs> you know, I, this is my last thing before, because I know we're trying to wrap it up. But you know when you're waiting for that final scene? You're waiting for the stinger at the end of the movie? Yeah. You know that when they start showing the titles to the music, you're mm-hmm. like, all right, we're almost there. And then they show the one screen of the logos that goes up, and you're like, here it comes. This one had the screen of the logos. And then another logo, and then another logo, <laughs> and then another logo, another logo, another, like another, 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 and then return the king. Yeah, it's just logos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm glad that we were all able to see this movie, and I'm glad we were able to talk to it. I'm glad we devoted an entire episode to it because I think it's important. And we're doing that next week, too. Yeah, even though it was a flawed movie, I think it's something that we needed to talk I think it's something that needed to be addressed, needed to be not ignored because having an all female cast. Replacing all male cast is something as iconic as Ghostbusters. I think it's an important idea. I think it's bold, it and bold. I think it. And I think the cast itself definitely paid off. Story suffered, unfortunately, but there's always hope. They could come around a sequel and just totally take it home, and that's what I'm hoping for. I'm all. I'm. I'm going to root for these for these ladies, and I'm going to root for this franchise uh, because I am a true Ghostbusters fan. There you go. So, uh, and I and I think you guys are probably also in agreement yes i am proud i am proud to place this with the other movies i don't think it's as good as the first in any way shape or form or the second but i am proud to place it with them and i'm looking forward to another one and then we'll judge that one on its own (laughs) yeah all right so thank you so much for listening to us join us next week as we talk about the science fiction classic uh that has been around for 50 years now celebrating its 50th anniversary the adventures of quartermass yes the adventures of quartermass um no because you're not familiar with quartermass no i don't think anyone is is that probably that's not what we're talking about that's 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 not what we're talking what are we talking about space space the final frontier these are the voyages of the starship enterprise whose ongoing mission to seek out new life and new civilizations and to boldly go where no one has gone before. I believe it's no man. Oh, don't start with that. <laughs> we will talk about that next week, for sure. We will be celebrating the 50th anniversary of Star Trek next weekend. With Father, Father Fun. Fun. With Father Fun. It's going to be incredible. We're going all out for this one. So go see Star Trek Beyond this weekend because we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about The Next Generation. We're going to be talking about Voyager. We're going to be talking about the original series. We're going to be talking about the animated series. We're going to talk about Galaxy Quest, right? We're going to right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. We're going to talk about the new movie. Yes, I forgot about Enterprise. And, and, and Enterprise. Wait, there's a, there's and, a show called Enterprise? God, I love that show. <laughs> oh, guys! Deep Space, Nine, Deep Space Nine, folks, we're going to get and, so nerdy. And please. So nerdy. And, and please, if you're a regular listener... And you live near us in our area, 
please make a donation so that I can go see the new movie because I'm going broke doing my homework for this podcast. Uh, right there with you, buddy. I got to count my pennies as we Somebody week. take me to the movie. Please, please take me to the, take you me know, to the maybe, movie. Maybe please. one of your co-hosts could please. take you. We'll bring so, the laptop and we'll like Skype JP in and just sit there in the theater <laughs> in the back row so we can watch it. We'll still pay for a ticket. But oh, yeah, we'll pay for you. We'll pay. So we'll, we'll work it out Thanks. with the movie theater. We'll pay for your ticket and everything. Awesome. So go see Star Trek Beyond this weekend because we will also be seeing it and we want you in on the conversation and in the celebration. 50 years, guys. Star Trek. Let's do it. Awesome. Beaming up, Scotty. Never uttered in the show. Never once. Uh, make it so. Yes, that was definitely there. <laughs> live, make live, it so. Live, and live long and prosper. Are we just going to keep going? Oh, okay. <laughs> Today uh, is a good day to die. I also... Revenge is a dish best called... Con! <laughs> I also double as a floating, flotation device. Um, I just watched the movie the other night. <laughs> Insurrection? You would watch Insurrection. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> I unapologetically love all of Star Trek. I don't care. Great. That, no, that's wonderful. That's what we're doing this. We're doing it. Yes, but his Good favorite, journey. His Good favorite journey. Is to watch Enterprise and put in a little in- Insurrection in the middle. <laughs> Good, you, journey. Good, journey. <laughs> Good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey.